Welcome to the Going Somewhere podcast, a podcast for anyone who finds themselves in the ambiguous adventure of young adulthood, a season marked by uncertainty, change, love, heartbreak, and a whole lot of big decisions. Sit down with me for some real and raw conversations with some incredible people as we dig into what it looks like to be a follower of Jesus in this beautiful yet complicated season of life. If this podcast helps you in any way, please subscribe, leave a review, and share it with friends. Be sure to join the conversation on Instagram by following goingsomewhere.podcast. We're all going somewhere. We might as well go there together. Let's dive into today's episode. Hey, everybody. Welcome to this week's episode of the Going Somewhere podcast. Today, I have my friend and a legend that I think most people have been very excited to hear from Pastor Brad Lewis. How are you doing, Brad? Hey, I am doing great, Stephen. Thanks for having me on on this podcast today. Well, it's my and everybody else's treat. Um, Brad, you and I go back a ways. You know, I before even I came to college, I was what sixteen when I met you. Probably you were sixteen. <laughs> it was a Sunday morning in a church service here, and you and your parents had come to. Uh, visit your brother who was at NDSU at the time and I met you and and uh, there was just a little something that God whispered in my ear that uh, <laughs> we were going to be very good friends someday. <laughs> well and that that's turned out. I my life was completely transformed during my time in Kyalfa and then I got to serve on staff with you for what six years? Six years. With Kyalfa and Obviously, now that I'm back in the area, I'm very happy to be back. But you've been doing Chi Alpha for a little while. Do you mind just kind of giving the background on your Chi Alpha experience? Well, you know, it's uh, this is my 34th year on campus and uh, planning on doing year 35 next fall. So this has been a long but wonderful journey. And uh, when I first came here to the church... Um, what would roughly be 35 years ago to be a youth pastor, I also found out that I was going to be the college pastor too. <laughs> and so that's how that all started. Well, I think God knew what he was up to. <laughs> yeah, he did. And after two and a half years of doing both, um, the pastor at the time, Dan Rothwell, came to me and said, Brad, this is just getting to be too big. You really need to pick one. And without going into a long story, you know, it was apparently uh, not only to pa- apparent to Pastor Dan, but also to me that college was the way to be going. So, Well, and I mean, I think if you picked the other one, God would have used it tremendously. But boy, has yes. he <laughs> touched a lot of college students through your faithfulness and... Yes. Just your consistency. I know it's, you know, when we would go to retreats and conferences, there's not a lot of 60 plus year old Chi Alpha pastors and college pastors, yet there you are making such a long standing legacy and impact. And I just appreciate you so much. Well, and I figured God is the one that put me in this position, and I'll just be obedient and stay here until He takes me out. So. That's that's how I'm I'm approaching this. That's awesome, and we'll we'll dive in a little bit. Just to, I think, as this is a young adult 
podcast that so many young adults kind of come out of college, which is where you're at. And then they kind of stumble around for a while and try to find their footing again. And so I want to kind of talk about that. But obviously you're married to the wonderful Kay Lewis. And yes, how long have you I guys am. been married? You have some family. We've been married for 28 years. Yes. And uh, we have a son who's 26 and he's married. And I have a two-year-old grandson, which is absolutely the excitement in my week. <laughs> I love seeing Gunner every chance I get. And I have a daughter, Rachel, who's 24. Uh, and you have a lot of other kids and grandkids beyond that just through... <laughs> through the ministry, but Daniel and Rachel are so special. And I've been able to essentially be a part of your family for going on 14, 13, 14 years now. Um, And your son might be Gunner's best friend. I I ask someone about Gunner and he lights up. He gets very excited. And the next things he says are ball and truck. So I'm guessing that's kind of... That's their sweet spot. That's what they They are connecting over those two things right there. Yeah. Kay... I know I, whenever I bring up to people about the podcast, people will ask, when's Kay coming on? <laughs> so <laughs> we will have Kay on here and she will, she'll shake it up a little bit. That's she, what she does. She will. She brings excitement and energy to everything she does. So. Yeah, you're smooth sailing, consistent, you know, low key. You don't know you're in a room other than the fact that, you know, you've just touched everybody in the room. So everybody knows you're in the room, but Kay, you know when Kay's in the room. That's right. <laughs> you know when she's in the area code. Yes, you do. <laughs> well, no, I'm, I'm so grateful for you. And this is a, like I said, as we've transitioned, Taylor and I, I know we maybe threw a little wrench in what you thought was your plan with Kai Alpha long term. I know for the longest time, I thought I was going to be you. That was kind of, in my mind, when I was 25, looking down the road I think I saw myself, all right, I'm going to be Brad. I'm going to be serving in Kyle for 30, 40 plus years. And then God started to kind of change our hearts. And I know that maybe threw a wrench in things, but I think your steadiness even through that was such a testimony to me. And I know obviously it was sad for us to part ways and to not work together anymore. But I know the thing that I admired about all that season was you never tried to convince me out of it. You knew me so well and trusted that God was leading us and supported us. Well, Stephen, I think it's very, very important that when people are making major decisions, that God's the one calling the shots. And, you know, we certainly can give advice and we can certainly help people when they're especially making decisions about big changes, but we don't want to ever twist arms or try to be God in somebody's life. And so I think it's very, very important that when you're in a position of spiritual leadership that you allow people to uh, do what God's showing them to do. That's so good. And I, I know that was like a, it was a, I remember coming into your office the first time I was talking to you about what could be happening and knowing what it meant, you know, for you and maybe your plans, you know, of how you're going to transition out of Chi Alpha. But I know that I left the room filled up and loving you even more and appreciating you even more. You've just never had an agenda for anybody's life other than for them to know Jesus and follow him for their whole life. For them to know <laughs> Jesus as closely as possible is yeah. my only agenda. So. Yeah. Well, I appreciate that. So, 
with that being said, um, I know so many students have graduated out and then like us, we've had a journey of, all right, maybe for us, like for me, Chi Alpha and college was so impactful that transitioning into the real world, into the job can be a challenge. And so I, I've wanted to just have this conversation from that standpoint, you know, as a college pastor who served for 34 years, what is it? I know you don't desire just for your students just to have the best four years of their life or five, six, however long that's growing into being, but that it's not just for that, but you really care about who they're becoming and the person that they'll be after college. Well, absolutely. And, uh, you know, all of us can look back at our lives and identify some very, you could call them crisis moments, but just eye-opening moments where really the rest of our life gets fashioned from what happens on a certain day. And I remember a day over 30 years ago. It was May and all of the campus ministry directors in town from the various campus ministries gathered one afternoon just to talk and assess the year we'd had and, and make plans for the next year. And one of the ministry leaders in the room uh, shared something that uh, rocked my world. He said that um, his particular organization had surveyed alumni five years after they graduated from college and found that only 20% were still serving the Lord. Mm. And that hit me like a ton of bricks at the moment and even a bigger ton of, ton of bricks when I got home and sat down and thought about it a little bit. And I just, as many of you know, I was in farming before I was in ministry. And I just said to God, I think I'll just go home and farm if, if, if we can't do better than that. And so on that day, I decided that if I called alumni five years after they graduated, I wanted to find them in a position of servant leadership in a spirit-filled church, married to a godly spouse, raising godly kids, um, tithing, i.e. their finances in order, and affecting both their neighborhood and their workplace for Jesus. So that became the target for what we were trying to do. So we were not just preparing students for uh, being Christian students on campus, but we were preparing them for life, Stephen. That's what uh, really came out of that. What were maybe some of the immediate changes that you made and how you led Chi Alpha at that time? Well, I don't know if it resulted in changes, but the immediate emphasis became things like relational evangelism. If you're going to affect your neighborhood and if you're going to affect your workplace, you need to know how to present Jesus in a loving, relational way. Um, obviously a strong emphasis on the Holy Spirit because, um, you know, we wanted uh, people in, in churches that were moving forward with the direction of the Holy Spirit. Also, um, some teaching on dating and relationships, some even teachings on parenting and teaching on giving. Yeah, I mean, I think that's what a good 
goal or a good target can do is that it gives you now the things to focus on. And I exactly even from my experience in Kyofa, even before I was on staff, you could see that that was an emphasis, even if you didn't yet know you know, kind of our small group leader training is when we kind of unveil those fivefold, you know, in a, this is what we're aiming at way for the small group leaders. But you can sense that from the point you are in Chi Alpha. And I think that is a good indicator that it works, (laughs) you know? Yeah, yeah, it it does. And, and it's really nice to see that um, if you give people a track to run on that they can run on it and, and, you know, certainly, sadly, we, we don't have 100% results, but we certainly have more than 20% really making a difference for Jesus in their life outside of college. Yeah. And what, what is your, for those that don't know, like, what's your strategy in ministry? You've been now in ministry, like you said, 34 years. And I think a lot of people, when they look at ministry, there's, a, if, if they were to see the success and if you want to call it success of just the people that are serving Christ the way they are after college, they say, wow, that strategy must be very detailed. And what's your strategy in college ministry that's allowed you to see the success you've seen? Well, obviously, um, and I know this might sound a little cliche, but really loving people is is a very, very important part. Um, strong community is created when people really love each other. And I think now one of the real buzzwords in churches is community and creating community. Well, we've been doing that for years. And um, not only that, but really encouraging people in their personal relationship with Jesus. You know, knowing the Lord is a two-way thing, you know, not only do we pray and speak to God, but God speaks to us. And God is speaking to us more than we think he is. The question is, are we really paying attention sometimes? And so just really encouraging people to grow in their personal relationship with God and and to love people. And after all, Jesus said it, the greatest commandment is basically to love your God with all your heart, soul, and mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. And so, um, you know, I like to keep it simple. And yeah. Jesus <laughs> Jesus made it pretty simple. Yeah. Well, and I think, you know, some people, when they describe you, I know it's kind of been the joke for years, but you're just a cowboy with a Bible. Yeah. <laughs> you know? That your, your simplicity in life has bled into the ministry. That because you're, and not simple in any other way other than just focusing on the main thing, keeping the main things, the main things and not overcomplicating this, you know? And I I think that for me, you know, even working with you for all those years, I mean, you know, this, there'd be times that we would friction for a moment because I had an idea that I saw that I wanted to run. And it was just the simplicity that kind of invited it back to like, is this going to help us accomplish what we're aiming to accomplish (laughs) and seeing college students become all that God has for them for their whole life, you know? So it's good. Well, and, and I think even to move on with this a step further, when a college student graduates from college, Stephen, um, I think it's extremely important 
that wherever they're going, they find a church or a body of believers to fellowship with immediately. You do not want to, um, you don't want to say, well, I'll find one in July, you know, and it's May 15th. No, next week is the right time to do that. And then um, as far as what you're looking for in a church is, first of all, you walk in, you want to see some other young adults there. Because if you don't, that might be a warning signal that that uh, for some reason younger people aren't choosing this church. But everybody needs to feel part of the body of Christ, big picture. Feel um, like they enjoy themselves in the Sunday morning presentation of the church. And again, I would pick a place where I could invite a friend. You know, right. if I know that I can invite a friend and it's not going to be uncomfortable for them, it's not going to be embarrassing for them, that's probably a pretty good place to start. And then to have uh, some small group opportunities because, you know, in the Sunday morning service, we don't really have time to pray for each other's personal needs, but but we have little things that go on in our life every week, and it's so good to have a group of really close friends where we can pray together for each other's uh, challenges. And, and then last of all, you want to have a place where you have an opportunity to serve, where you have a ministry opportunity. So that's really what we're looking for when we graduate from college. Yeah, I was going to say, you know, what are some of the next steps for those that are maybe transitioning? And like you said, finding a church immediately. You know, I think when Taylor and I moved to New Jersey, we had friends that were already a part of a church. Um, and then with COVID and everything else, we ended up moving to a new church. And that was like the game changer for us. Uh, we had met incredible people, but like we were confident and secure in our walks with God, but to have that void. And I think a lot of people experienced that throughout COVID and then to have the church that we did, it was such a, it was so life-giving, you know I mean? To have people, it wasn't that I fell away from God or that Taylor fell away from God, but to have those people to encourage us, to pray with us, to celebrate with us, it was a, a huge difference. Well, and I'm not trying to be overly theological when I say this, but there's a Hebrew word called hesed. And the definition of that is is relational glue hmm. that you find in, in, you know, places where people worship God together. And just, we need that relational glue. We need to realize that the friendships we have here are more than just friendships but there's a spiritual component to them right well and i read a book recently and i was like brad could have read this or wrote this book but you did write a book yes i did small group university which i think is one of the best books on small groups and just relational you know community building faith groups you know and i think that um obviously having sat under your leadership for a decade, I can 
rehearse this, but why, why small groups? You know, you mentioned that as part of one of the things you should look for in a church and, and you mentioned a little bit, but why have small groups been such a, an emphasis for you? And then for college students that maybe are a part of it for four years, the trend that I see a lot is that a lot of people almost take a break from that, whether it's our group or any group, it's kind of, I'll find my footing in church. I'll find my footing in work. I'll find my footing with family and marriage or whatever, but maybe we kind of neglect that. So why, why is that so important to you? Well, you know, a small group is a place where you can really be real. And of course, obviously all of us hide our dirty laundry as much as possible. That's just the way things are in life. But small group is a place where love can be so unconditional that that we really feel very open to share our hurts, to share the things we struggle with. And so rough edges can really get uh, polished in our lives in the small group setting. And also, um, even if we're moving from one house to another, we have a group of people that can help us move. You know, if if we have a baby, we have a group of people that can uh, bring supper over several nights in a row. I mean, there's just so many reasons to be part of a relational group like that. Oh, for sure. Yeah. And I think one of the things that you've always said is that you can hide in a large group, <laughs> but you can't in a small group. That you know, if you go to a church with any, with a couple hundred people, even a hundred people, it's easy to come and go and to maybe make some small talk and, and leave. And maybe that's comfortable for us, but it's not what we need. It's not what we're, exactly. not what we're designed for. And so to have a group of people that hopefully you can be honest with. And one of my challenges is that when people don't have that, or maybe their church doesn't offer that, just start it, you know, just be the one to initiate it. Well, and that's one of the things that, you know, I'm certainly hoping for with our college students is they now know how to be intentional in building friendships. And then the next step would be uh, building a small group. And so, like you just said, if you go someplace where the culture for small groups doesn't exist or is done poorly, um, start your own. Yeah. And I feel like that's an experience that a lot of people have, whether it's here or anywhere. I think when you have a great maybe college ministry experience or youth group experience, and then you transition to church and as a whole, I think sometimes it can feel different. And because it's not maybe the exact same community that you had, I think people can tend to almost retreat or kind of retract from really engaging. And what would be your advice to maybe that person that finds themselves, I know in our setting, we oftentimes have people that are studying agriculture and now they returned to, you know, a rural town that doesn't have a ton going on. And I think they obviously missed what we had, but what is your advice to those people or even just a different city or church? Well, I think that one thing that is really, really important is, and this may be one of the most important things I'm saying in this conversation is you never finish adding friends to your life. And um, you don't just say, well, I had these five buddies in high school and just camp on them for the rest of your life. 
I think that as we walk throughout life, we need to keep adding friends and adding friends. And there's even mornings when I wake up and say, God, I might meet the best friend I'll ever have today. Yeah. You know, um, I'm reporting for duty, Lord. Anybody that comes across my path, I'll, I'll step into their life if you want me to. And so when we go maybe to a, a smaller rural area is, you know, we're very intentional about making friendships and also be willing to have friends of different age groups. And again, um, even I go to a uh, a small group for people where we're all about the same age. We have growing kids, you know, et cetera, et cetera. But I've got really good friends that are in their 20s. I got really good friends that are in their 70s. And I've got really good friends scattered all the way in between. Age is not a criteria for me to have a friend. And yeah. so I think it's important to have friends and then realize that you're probably going to initiate every friendship you ever have for the rest of your life. I don't sit back and wait to be introduced, Stephen. I, I just, if somebody uh, looks interesting or looks like they're standing by themselves, I'll go up and introduce myself and, and start building a friendship with them. Yeah. I mean, that is so incredible. And I think First of all, you're probably one of the only college pastors that gets to ask to do a lot of weddings and a lot of funerals, you know, with your wide array of just connections. I think that has been something, you know, of course, you've been the college pastor and college minister for years. But yeah, that's something that I've noticed and people take note of. And it's, you know, for me, it's been an invitation into that one, having you and Kay as friends, you know, a lot of people when they don't know you guys, when I say, you know, yeah, Brad's one of my best friends, they almost, how does that work? Well, just because they've invited me into their life and there's no agenda, there's no, you know, I mean, you've become a spiritual father to me, but that's not your only angle on, on my life. Like you just, we just like to do things together and hang out together and obviously eat the food that you make together because <laughs> I don't make it. But um, I think that is so valuable to be the initiator and just assuming that you will always be the initiator. And I think that's a really good advice is that you can't expect other people to create it. And the other thing is that just assume that people want it and need it, that maybe they don't realize that. Well, and I think another thing just to be aware of is really what iPhones have done to us. Um, they are such a blessing because we've, we've got our email, we've got all these things right at our fingertips, but we also have gotten worse at interpersonal communication. And we think that if we've texted somebody, we've really connected with them. And there's no substitute for sitting down face-to-face -face with people and being able to uh, look people in the eye and, and watch the nonverbal communication and all that sort of thing. I'm a great student of nonverbal communication when I'm talking to somebody. And uh, just be careful that you don't rely too much on your phone for friendships and relationships in your life. That's really good. I think, first of all, I remember... I think I taught you how to use emojis. So 
pat on my back. <laughs> pat on my back for that. You probably you were, did. Kay had sent you an emoji and you, you wanted to send one back and you didn't know how, so I helped you. But yeah, um, yeah that's so valuable that real relationships do happen in person. And I think technology and social media and all these things are great tools, but when they replace it, it really affects it, you know, in a, in yeah. a negative way. Um, and your phone can't give you a hug. Yeah. It can't not yet anyways, right? No, nope. <laughs> Technology hasn't advanced. No, I know. And that's true. And I think anybody that's ever had a Brad Lewis hug knows the value of a hug. <laughs> it's different. But um, one of the things that I've appreciated too is just your longevity. You know, I think in ministry, but also just your faithfulness in every area of your life. And you're somebody that from season to season, you've gone through, you know, having young kids, elementary kids, high school kids, college aged kids. Now you're a grandparent. You've stayed on mission. You've stayed the course throughout that. What I think that's something that a lot of young adults maybe struggle with or they even fear. It's like, what if it kind of fades? What if it falls? How do I, how do I do that? How do I live on mission the long haul? Well, first of all, I, I think is understanding that we all have a calling from God on our life and, and that nothing trumps that calling. And we are to be people of influence in this life. Um, it says in the book of Acts that David, after serving the purposes of God in his generation, died and slept with his fathers. That, that is a rough quote of, yeah. of that verse. But David understood that God had a purpose for him, and he served God's purpose in his generation. And so we have a high calling to serve the purpose of God in our generation. But also um, going deep with people and, and having meaningful relationships is the greatest fun there is in this life. It's not like this is work. Uh, having your heart tied to a lot of other people and, and, and just caring about people deeply. And I mean, certainly we all like the twins and the Vikings, but if the conversation doesn't get any deeper than that, um, we're missing out on so much in relationships with people. And so um, it is not only a high calling from God, but it's fun. Yeah, <laughs> that's for sure. I think a lot of young adults too, I mean, they maybe have a season as followers of Jesus where it's natural or easy, or maybe it's the environment or all of the above, where just being close to Jesus is natural. And that zeal and fervor wanes at some point, whether it's due to just life circumstances, whatever. But obviously that's not that we always have to live like full of energy and passion, you know, like maybe an 18 year old who just experiences Jesus, but how do you keep that? Like, what's the, how do you stoke that fire? Well, you know, I think if you were privileged enough to be part of a, a campus ministry when you were in college is really, there was so much that was made so easy for you. It, it, was easy to be in community. It was easy to have good friends. It was easy to go to church on Sunday. It was easy to uh, have 
really good dating habits. I mean, there's just a number of things that were probably easy. And when you are employed at your first job and you're um, out in the, the real world, so to speak, all of a sudden um, you're out of your comfort zone. And some things that came probably really easy as part of a, a group on campus, now you have to initiate, you have to be a self-starter on, whether it's getting to church, whether it's making some friends, whether it's, uh, you know, inviting a co-worker over for supper some night, you know, all of these things might challenge your comfort zone a little bit and you've got to be willing uh, to be outwardly focused and just say hey I am not going to withdraw and just uh, sit in my apartment all night what do you think some of the pitfalls or I don't want to call them mistakes but what are you what are some of the pitfalls that young adults maybe fall into whether it's early after college or just in that season of life where they're settling into work and perhaps family or even just, you know, people that are married, just, I think there's that draw to maybe that um, pattern that the world has kind of made very simple where we go to work, we eat food, we go to, you know, we watch Netflix, we go to sleep, you know, what are some of the pitfalls that you see and how do you prevent those? Well, I think first of all, um, you got to ask yourself, are you having a great devotional life with God? You know, it starts there. That is the first step is, is spending quality time with God on a daily basis. And then from there is, are, when, when you go to church, are you there to be a consumer or are you going there to make a difference and to, uh, be an influencer and and be someone that God can use. And so having a good attitude about that. And then, um, you know, it's just really, really easy to, uh, to just, um, it's really easy to be lazy. And it's really easy to just um, sit back and and take the easy way out. And especially if you're tired when you come home from church. Right. Yeah. Do you need to take that? I probably should. It's you certainly run four can. times. You certainly can. Yeah. Take it. We can get back into it. No, not a problem. Okay. Hey, honey, I'm on a podcast right now, so I can't talk. Talk to you later. Bye. <laughs> That's awesome. She'll she'll be forgiving. Yeah. We're back. Brad's got Kay taken care of. We're good there. So yep. um, over the, the last, you know, 30 years, you know, you've interacted with so many, and I think you've had 
maybe a privilege that some don't of seeing, you know, your students really grow up, you know, and, and experience a lot in life and walk in a lot of different seasons and things. And, and what's some of the joys or the things that have brought you the most joy in this season of ministry? Well, obviously watching, um, students really become who Jesus wants them to be. We've had the privilege of seeing about 250 students uh, be involved in full-time ministry, whether it's being a missionary or being a pastor or something where that's their life's calling and their life's vocation. Um, Also, there's numerous church board members and Sunday school teachers and youth group leaders and and people that are in the marketplace, but they are doing something with the body of Christ where they're making a difference in other people's lives. And so uh, having having people do what what God has called them to do was an awesome thing. There was a young man that got a very, very good civil engineering job in another state that graduated a few years ago. And he was someone that didn't necessarily stick out in the crowd at the college ministry at the time. But after he'd been out in the marketplace for a while, um, he sent us um, a support letter because he was going to a third world country to drink, uh, drill wells for clean water for a people in a nation that desperately needed that. And, you know, he's someone that I was really surprised would step into a role like that, but very pleasantly surprised. Right. And so it's just exciting to see what God's plans are for people and where he takes them. Yeah. Well, and I think it's, you know, the seeds that are planted, you know, and I think that's, you know, when you talk to children's pastors or youth pastors, it's a lot of planting of seeds and maybe you're privileged in college ministry to see more of that spring up and grow into something before your eyes. But I think that's the same principle throughout. It's this, there's still seeds planted to sow to see maybe people like Pastor Dave, who is a pharmacist, now leads the church that we're a part of. Exactly. But then there's so many that, like you said, maybe are surprising, but as much as it is surprising, it's almost not surprising that it's not something that you've done right as much as you've led ministry in such an awesome way, but it's allowed the Holy Spirit to do what only he can do. Exactly. And he can do that in his timing and in his own ways. And I think back to even my own journey with Taylor of us moving and all of those things. I think that was the freedom that we had was uh, as much as we honor and value and appreciate your voice and your, your and Kay's mentorship in our lives, the Holy spirit's always been the predominant me- mentor in your ministry. And it's never been about you. And I think that's the thing that's probably changed in me the most and being around you is that, you know, our personalities are pretty different, you know, but it's never about the personality. It's about the Holy Spirit working through us. And oh, so exactly. That's... I just, yeah. I can't get over it sometimes because I, when I was 18, you know, I didn't really know what my life was going to become. I, my brother was in Chi Alpha, so I figured that would be a part of it. 
but what God did through that time was so transformational and now it's so fun to, you know, be in a place where I can help others do that as well. But, um, one of the things we talk about in Kyalpha sometimes was not a commitment to discipleship, but a conviction for discipleship. Do you want to just kind of briefly talk about the difference in that? Well, you know, if we took, or if I took two people and led them to Jesus this year and discipled them, loved them, cared for them, did everything I could to help them grow spiritually for a year. And then at the end of a year, if they each led two people to the Lord and I led two more and we did the same thing again, uh, after 20 years, we would have influenced 2,100,000 people. And if I were going to schedule an evangelistic meeting every day and, and give an altar call, I would have to reach 289 people a day to come up at the same number of people. And so I think really that's the difference there. It's just so absolutely incredible that if we do exactly what Jesus called us to do, which is make disciples that make disciples, um, this really isn't all that complicated, and, and it grows and grows and grows and grows. That's incredible. I think it, it, it's simple, you know, in the sense that maybe we, we do overcomplicate, but it's complex because it really demands our life. And I think there's no shortcut to, you know, doing what you just described. I think not that the person that preaches and I value them and I love that, but it takes a lot of us to disciple two people and to really invest our entire life into them and to, you know, help them grow through the good stuff, the bad stuff, and to help them step into that. But that's also what Jesus did with the disciples. It wasn't clean. It wasn't a shortcut. It was, he took 11, 12 broken guys and then those surrounding them and really invested everything into them and then left and obviously sent the Holy Spirit. But I think that that's been the thing that's probably stuck with me the most is that commitment to discipleship and making disciples will only last as long as maybe the environment really allows for that. But when there's a conviction for that, when it's something that changes in me that only the Holy Spirit can do, then I'll do it the rest of my life because it's not based on getting somebody to church or getting somebody to small group. It's this is what God's created me for. And I want to do this with my entire life. <laughs> well, and I think you know better than anybody that there's a couple of verses, 1 Thessalonians <laughs> 2, 7 and 8, that that are the verses that run my life. And in verse 8, it talks about imparting to people not only the gospel of God, but also our own life, because those people had become very dear to us or mean so much to us. And, and I think the other uh, part of the thing is we're not just sharing the gospel, but we're doing life with people. We're sharing life with people. We're uh, allowing people to know us, um, the good and the bad and the ugly. And, uh, 
it's it's what discipleship's all about. Absolutely. Well, I appreciate you for doing that for me and and Taylor and obviously Kay. Um, you know, you guys do know the good, the bad, and the ugly about us, and yeah. vice versa. And I think, you know, it it's made life so much more fun (laughs) to have friends like you and mentors like you and just people in our lives that not only speak into our lives, but really model something that is maybe different in an age where, in an age where celebrity in the church is cheered and, and maybe prioritized, I think we need obscurity (laughs) more than anything. And of course people know who you are, but it's not because you've put yourself on a stage to make yourself known. It's because the impact of Jesus through your life has been so, so incredible. So I just appreciate you. I know one of my goals is to unhide you a little bit (laughs) because I think you're so special and the impact you've made on people's lives is so special, but thanks for doing it in, in hidden. I think it's changed my life and how I desire to follow Jesus for the rest of my life because of your example. (laughs) Well, and and I think, too, that when people do know our weaknesses and when people do know the ugly side and they choose to love us anyway, that is one of the most freeing things in life. And uh, I just want to challenge our listeners today to not be afraid to be yourself and be real and be vulnerable, especially with the people that really care about you. Absolutely. Well, one of the questions that I ask every guest, and I I didn't even tell you this one, but I'm excited to ask you. If you were to give 20-year-old Brad one piece of advice, what would it be? Don't waste so much time. I have obviously been used to do a lot of wonderful things for the kingdom of God, but I could have done more. And especially when I was younger, I just wasted time on things that I shouldn't have wasted time on. I wish I would have been more intentional and more focused sooner. Hmm. Well, thank you. Thanks for jumping on here. And I know, you know, you'll be back by popular demand. So we'll definitely have more of these conversations on this podcast. But thanks for just being who you are and loving me like you have. And the times on the crying couch, if you've never experienced Brad's crying couch, he didn't name it that. It's just what happens on that couch. But <laughs> What happens when people <laughs> sit on that couch, doesn't it? Yes, but um, yeah. Appreciate you. And if you haven't ever checked out this book, I highly encourage it. You can get it on Amazon. Yep. Um, And it's in Spanish too. It's in Spanish too. So check it out. Get that. But again, thanks for joining us on this week's episode of the podcast. We'll see you again next week. Thanks, Stephen. Love you. Bye-bye. I just love and appreciate Pastor Brad so much. Um, This conversation, you know, I just leave cherishing him a little bit more, loving Jesus a lot more. And that's just the person that Brad is. That's the person he's always been. It's somebody that's just invited you into his life. When you sit in his office, there's no agenda. 
there's no you know system of like this is what i'm going to share like he just wants to listen to you he wants to pray with you he wants to encourage you to just take whatever step you need to take towards jesus he's left such a lasting legacy and there's literally thousands of college students who have transitioned into young adulthood that are living for jesus and affecting their workplace their neighborhoods and they're 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 building a life and a family that honors jesus and i think that is so incredible there's so many things in this conversation that i'm encouraged by that i'm challenged by just the idea of i never have enough friends like god is always using us to bring the kingdom to other people by the way that we love them by the way that we invite them in by the way that we listen to them and are just fully present with them i desire that in my life i know Brad talked about so many decisions that young adults make and so many of the transition points, whether it's finding a church and building community or being married or finding a job, that there's so many decision points in young adulthood. But if we can remain focused on the main thing, if we can continue to seek Jesus first above all else and love other people, we are able to boldly step into whatever comes our way knowing that one, God will take care of us, but that God will bring us from season to season, from place to place as he orchestrates our life. And I just appreciate Brad's you know, willingness to just un- uh, unravel maybe what can sometimes be complex and just make it simple. What is it that you are challenged by today? What's the takeaway for you? Well, th- whatever it is, I just encourage you to write it down, journal about it, share it with a friend, I know conversations like this are are what's really helping me navigate this season, helping me grow through this season of young adulthood. There's so many changes. There's so many things that happen seemingly on a week-to-week basis. You know, I've got two kids, another on the way. I'm married. I've got a full-time job, a part-time job. There's things that I enjoy doing with friends, and it feels like there's so much all the time, but I don't want to be distracted from the main thing in my life. I don't want to be distracted from the things that are most important and the things that God says are most important. So whatever your takeaway is, I encourage you to chew on it this week. Uh, Next week, we'll be back with another episode. I'm super pumped to continue these conversations, to invite more people in that'll help us navigate this season of life, this ambiguous adventure of young adulthood in a way that honors Jesus and loves people well. So I know Brad will probably be back on. I'll probably beg him to come back on at some point. Um, but I appreciate all of you. If you haven't yet subscribed to the podcast, wherever you listen, do that. You know, don't miss out on the next episodes that are coming out. Check it out on YouTube. Also, you know, leave a review, leave a rating, help us get the word out to as many people as possible. So we appreciate you. We love you. As always, we're recording here at Northview Church in Fargo. If you're ever in the area, we'd love to have you join us for a Sunday morning. Um, I would love to sit with you. My wife would like to serve you coffee at the coffee shop, but we would just love to get to know you. Otherwise, we love you. Have a great week. Talk to you again next week.